0: show episode 25 with joe and nick and nick we've got another great guest on tonight that i'm really excited about yeah me too um troy Laqueta, drummer from the band tesla will be joining us tonight nice um i'm
1: I'm excited uh, and a little nervous too
0: yeah you've been a big fan of tesla i remember oh yeah
1: yep from the first uh time i heard modern day cowboy man i was hooked
0: yeah 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 he's doing a um all kinds of things now. I mean, he he has all kinds of organizations going on that we're going to talk to him about. Cool. Um, he's got a thing called Troy Shows Up, where he goes into, I believe he goes into different schools and talks to the kids. Um, and Tesla's still going. Yeah, After all these years, Tesla's still around. It still rocks too. If you like the show and uh, want to help support the show, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, well, let's call Troy and uh hopefully he answers. Hopefully.
2: Hello, this is Troy.
0: What's up, Troy? It's Joe and Nick of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show.
2: Joe and Nick, how are you? What's Nick, up, Troy?
0: We're we're doing on? we're doing great. How are you doing out there in uh Nashville? Is it right?
2: I'm fantastic. Um yes, I'm adjusting like the rest of the world. How about <laughs> how about y'all?
0: You know, we're trying yeah. to stay safe just like everybody else. But same uh same here, man. Yeah. So far so good. Nice. I'm glad you we could uh, finally hook up.
2: Yes. Um sorry for the delay on that. I've just uh it's it's been busy. It's been a yeah, busy you... time and Things are, um, it's interesting how busy it's been considering the times actually.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So do, mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you, um, Nashville out there? Is it all shut down or are they going again?
2: You know, I haven't been out a whole lot. Uh, I mean, things are going, I go to the stores and, you know, people are wearing masks, not everybody. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of opened up in, in the sense that, you know, people are getting out, uh, it looks busy. There's traffic. Uh, you know, so um but I mean it's I mean like California, my wife just came back from there and I was there for a short time just uh over the last few weeks and that shut down, you know what I'm saying? They've Comple- really
0: got completely right tight
2: grip. Yeah. yeah, they got a tight grip on things.
0: Yeah. How long have you been in Nashville? Living here? Yeah.
2: I you know, I've been in Nashville for I'd say ten years.
0: Wow, really? That long? Yeah. For whatever reason, I thought you were still out there in California.
2: Yeah, no, no. I've been here. I moved out here in 2010.
0: Wow, so and, you saw, uh, you've saw you seen it grow then, huh? Because it wasn't oh, like it like, is now.
2: Yeah, like crazy. Absolutely. I've watched the change happen. And, you know, I think I got here at a pretty good time. I had a chance. I moved into a place called Murfreesboro at first. And then I moved out of there. Uh, I was there for a few years. And then I moved into a place called Cane Ridge ten you uh, 10 acre piece of property and um, and now I'm in Mount Julia and um, on five acres and I love it I really do like it here pretty you know fairly close to the airport uh, nice piece of property nice neighborhood um, and it's growing like everything else but um, yeah mm-hmm. I, I, I like the people I like the energy uh, since I've been here I've been able to do a lot of things i wouldn't have done uh so it's it's and i didn't move here for the business that's the interesting part i actually moved here for my daughter
0: okay mm-hmm. yeah and she, she lives out in tennessee
2: well she does now she's back with me i just picked her up three months ago mm-hmm. and uh, she's just finishing up high school this year and um so that was part of you know my scheduling and bringing her out here in uh putting a room together for where I have five acres, like I said, so I have a building up back, and we just put her whole room together. She should be moving in, like, hopefully next week, weekend, is my goal. So that's what I've been working, you know, pretty busy work, working on as well, yeah. along with other side projects and such, you know.
0: Well, she's got to be excited.
2: She is, yeah, she is. She's, she does seem pretty excited about things.
0: Now, you grew up in uh, California, correct? Is that where you were uh, yeah. at?
2: yeah uh yeah bay area guy Mm -hmm. born and raised uh (coughs) out there spent pretty much you know my life growing up in the dublin hayward area um bay area and uh and it was you know a good time growing up great time for music a lot of great you know bands um it was a great music scene out there it was very cool
0: what was the music scene like where where you were growing up compared to like a little more south down in the la area
2: well, you know, I'll tell you what, South was booming, man. L.A. was booming, uh, but the Bay Area was booming, too. I mean, because you had Eddie Money, Journey, um, you know, um, Santana. Uh, I mean, we had uh, a list, Grateful Dead, and um, and I was in the Eric Martin band. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but Eric was a singer for Mr. Big. Mr. Big, right, yeah. Yeah, we did our first record together. I was 23. And we toured with Journey, same management company, and we, and we did some dates. You know, made a record, did American Bandstand. It, it all looked pretty good on the surface, and it was a great band, and it was cool. You know, but it was just enough. Uh, by the time after the first record was over, and you know, those couple years that we had, which were pretty good. Um, you know, Eric ended up going solo. Harvey took him solo, and you know, that's was just enough. Um, information for me to know that i really really wanted to pursue it and give it another shot you know Mm
1: -hmm. so so how did you hook up with the guys in tesla
2: um at the time there was this guy named Dwayne hitching speaking of eddie money he was at i lived in san leandro which was 15 20 minutes probably from eddie in oakland and so gary ferguson who was the drummer on the no control album this is 1983-84 um you know when we were working uh we were out doing some dates with them gary was leaving so um i kind of had an idea of what was going on in the eddie camp and Dwayne hitchings was a producer that was working with tesla which was called city kid at the time all original same guys original band and uh, they were looking for a drummer and he called me up and he wanted to come over and play me a demo tape which he did and it had a drum machine on it two tracks a song called rock city and restless hearts and uh and i heard it and i just kind of took a liking to jeff's voice uh and he said you know if you're not interested in this eddie had asked about you you know uh and and that was kind of the game changer for me uh uh i I was pretty flattered uh, about the asking about me kind of thing you know because i was still pretty young right uh and he had seen me play because we were out there with him uh so but at the same time i was like man if i do anything um you know i'll I'll probably be looking for a gig who knows how long down the road because it would just be a hired gun thing and i really wanted to be part of a band Mm -hmm. and i that's when i thought man i'd like to give this thing one more shot so i told Dwayne, i said hey you know i'd like to see the band you know and i went out to a club that they were playing at called the oasis ballroom in sacramento and that was about 90 minutes from me 100 miles and so I went out there for the weekend, caught two of their club dates, uh, watched them. And by the second evening I had watched Jeff, I realized he had kept my attention all night. And I really didn't look at anybody else.
0: And I knew right
2: then and there that uh, the only thing that needed to happen was myself in that equation. And I really believed that we were going to do everything we did do. Uh, hmm. There was no doubt in my mind. However, I didn't know we'd still be together. Right? And <laughs> I did that part, I didn't know that all these years later, but uh, then that's kind of how it happened and went down, you know,
0: were they oh, playing you, you any made... of the, um, sorry, Nick, were they it's playing okay. any of the songs, uh, that we know as Tesla songs yes, when you saw they them? were,
2: uh, Coming At You Live, okay. they had written in Guam, they were, they did a little stint in Guam playing some covers and I believe Coming At You Live was written out there and they probably played it that night, I remember seeing it, um. Uh, I I don't remember too many other songs, because when I got with the band, we basically started writing, and I think we had close to, you know, 40, 50 songs before the first album, and that was over about a nine-month period as we were driving back and forth to L.A. doing showcases. I mean, it happened pretty quick. I mean, we had a relentless schedule, five, six days a week, 10, 12 hours a day rehearsal. We were playing in the club, and you know, kind of keeping our chops up. Uh, but it was, a uh, we had, uh, we had that Colonel Parker, man, you know what I'm saying? Just that guy that was a guy named Steve Clausman, And he was really, uh, driving it home with the band, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how that played it out itself out. And, um, we were showcasing a country club and, um, we were opening for a band for Ron Keel. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. With we him. know Ron. Yeah. Yeah, so we were opening for him at the Country Club in 1985, 86. Yeah, because the record came out in 86. Yeah, 1985 when we were doing those showcases. Yeah, so things just, uh, yeah, it it just kind of progressed really quick. And, I mean, I just had a really, really great feeling. I mean, I wasn't surprised what was happening. I was 25, I think, at the time and uh i mean i just knew that there was something there you know
1: right it definitely was i remember hearing the modern day cowboy for the first time and as soon as i heard that opening run i was hooked i said wow who is this you know and it was great
2: you know it's it's such a classic story i remember you know because uh at the time you know that we had finished the first record, and that single came out. I think December '86. We hit the road January of '87 with David Lee Roth, and, and that's what he said. He goes, "I watched probably." Yeah, I think he said he watched 36 videos. I think that's what he quoted, quoting David Lee Roth here. He sat and talked to us, and uh, he loved the band. And he goes, "I think he goes, I think I watched 36 videos or something." And then he says, "And you guys just you were the band,
0: you know." So that, that's that how he cool. picked his band.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah.
0: Nice. I mean,
2: <laughs> really uh you know i picked us for the opening slot we went out with him for a few months and we came home we went out with alice cooper for a few months we went to london we played uh in england did some solo dates uh we did the two nights at the marquee sold out um and then uh we came back and hit the def leopard hysteria tour for 15 months and we did all of europe canada and the u.s in the round Wow! Sold out, sold out everything every night, every, every nice. night. Nice. That was a, it. Was That was a huge record. So, and we had the same management team, and so it was like a big family. It was very cool, you know. It still is to this day. I, I talked to Phil yesterday. You know, Phil produced our last record. So, oh, yeah, it was yeah, funny. yeah.
0: So, how was it? So, Roth was your first major tour. as Tesla. It.
2: It was yes, David Lee Roth. I mean, how it? Was the Eat 'em and Smile tour with Greg Bissonette, Steve Vai, and um, Billy Sheehan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that tour, but um, when I saw him, Cinderella opened up.
2: Yeah, it's so funny. I was just with Eric, not Eric, um, Jeff Labar the other night, and we were hanging out, and I played a, some of the solo record, and we were talking, and we were talking about that. And I don't know, were, were they, what, do you remember what year, uh, where, what, about when that was? Because we were January 87. In February, And I think we were done. So it was it before or after that?
0: I thought it was 86.
2: Okay, then that would be correct. Yeah, because yeah, that would have been 86 for you because we hit January of 87. So that's correct. Now, that's how I remember it, too. They were just finishing up, I think, and then we jumped on.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what went down.
0: Yeah, Nick and I were just talking about that before we got on with you, because he saw you guys with...
1: Yeah, I I saw you guys with David Lee Roth, but I I really went to see you guys, but yeah. Is
2: that right?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That was an awesome tour, though, the Eat and Smile tour.
2: Oh, my goodness. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. That was fantastic.
0: And then, so after you guys did that and got Alice Cooper and you're on with Def Leppard, I mean, that had to be... I mean, you had to be thinking to yourself, what in the heck's going on here?
2: Well, you know what's funny? I mean, and please don't misunderstand or take this wrong, and I don't want it to sound cocky. No, go ahead. But, but, but it comes back to me going, I, I was just, I just knew. I knew that all, of, I was almost expected. I mean, we had the management team, uh, Q Prime Management managed Def Lepper, They signed us, you know, uh, and I just expected good things to happen as it did. It was kind of like, you know that creative visualization visualizations where you can see things man and i just felt like well, we're, we're gonna do this this is happening i mean we're the new thing We're this is this is you know we gotta now we gotta get out and tour you know um and everything just all the planets lined up man. and it was very cool i mean looking back at it you know i think i appreciate it more today than anything to have the legacy that we have 35 years later have all the band four out of five guys everybody's in great shape we're still making great records and playing good music and the band's in good shape uh and and i you know nothing that i take for granted i I really don't um you know like i said in the beginning it was like an expectation in the first 10 years none of it really surprised me when we were touring and all the stuff that was going on after the breakup that's when the challenge and things changed and and such you Mm know Uh, that and things got to be, um, you know, different at that point. After we got back together.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you guys, when you first came out, I thought you guys stood out from the rest of the pack, just with the music and with the look. I mean, I yeah. know, I know, City Kid kind of had more of that look, correct? The the glam type look.
2: Uh, you know, they had a couple little things, but by the time I think we got to a place of of um, the first album and if you look at the modern day cowboy you'll notice Jeff has some, some little mascara and the hairspray um but that was because they, what they did they rolled in you know they rolled in a rack full of clothes what they they do that right so they wrote but it was all spandex and all this stuff and we looked at that and we're like that ain't gonna happen you know right uh that wasn't the band that wasn't who we are so the little bit of hairspray and a little bit of that, I mean, but we found ourselves really quickly of who we were and who we weren't. And, and we just kind of stayed true uh, to ourselves and, and, um, and just kind of found our way through all of that without, you know, it cost us probably a lot of covers and magazines and such, you know, cause we were almost a faceless band, you know, we didn't have a look. Right. Uh, and you know, as Nikki six would quote, you know, Tesla, those tomato farmers, you know, from Sacramento, you know, uh, <laughs> But they all love the band. I mean, you, you got to remember. I mean, and, and I, uh, it blows my mind because I remember, you know, Motley was playing, and they must have came to town playing because I, I don't, I can't remember how this happened. But Tommy Lee ended up at my house.
0: Okay? <laughs> you don't know how that happened.
2: I, I don't. I don't remember what happened or how it happened. I just, I think back. I'm like, oh, shit. I remember waking my daughter up, going, "Hey, Tommy's here. You want to meet him?" You know. Um, and they had a gig that night, obviously. And I, you know, he loved the band, loved the record, loved me at the time, and uh, it was all good. And uh, I'm guessing because of what that was, I, I can only assume that maybe he somehow got a hold of me because I certainly didn't call him. Right. Uh, so that's just you know what I kind of. It's really weird though because I don't remember how it happened. That's funny. Did you <laughs> a guys? Did
0: you guys tour with the crew?
2: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we were out with them. And, and uh, we were out on the uh, uh, Dr. Feelgood. Great tour. Tommy was killing it. The band was killing it. They were all sober. The only time in history they were sober, we were out with them for two months.
0: Were you guys Dr. sober at that time? No. I was, <laughs> you were? I
2: was, I, yeah, I'm, I'm 27 years sober.
0: Nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. That, that had to... Uh... I know that whole error hit a lot of people hard. Which-
2: oh, yeah, man. That's, I mean, it was freaking drug infested and party infested. Everybody was having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a little too much fun. Um, and, and it cost some people their lives, you know, and it was just a thing that everybody did. Uh, it was just part of the industry. Uh, no, you didn't think too much. I mean, if there was ever a good time, you know, it was the 80s for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably the 70s and 60s, I'm sure, were fantastic, too, for, you know, all that great music and all the stuff that was going on. But <clears> the <throat> um, problem, I mean, you had all the psychedelics back in the 60s and 70s. Then cocaine ran through the 80s, and that's what, you know, brought me down quick, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? shit, it was, what was it, 86, 87, we hit the road by November 91, I'm in treatment, I mean, that's not very long.
0: Is that when you got into it on the road?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I guess it's probably, you know, when I, I mean, everybody was doing everything at the time, so you're just doing what everybody else is doing, as you think about it, Mm -hmm. as I thought about it, I mean, that's, wasn't that big of a deal but i didn't even know i had a problem uh when when i came to realize uh in in november 91 before i went into treatment uh, i didn't know and i had a friend of mine say hey man uh, i can't want you to do this to yourself anymore and and we used to party together and he had gotten sober and uh, he goes i want you to do me a favor and he gave me this questionnaire called am i an addict and he goes i just want you to answer as honestly as you can i'm like sure man no problem I think there was like 26 29 questions whatever it was i hit yes on probably everything uh and and, and then it was like oh wow maybe something is wrong yeah i really did because everybody partied everybody did the same thing but i do know this my my bottom we were headlining arenas and i was just spiritually broke man i had nothing having everything and having nothing at all you know i mean it was like it was very empty uh, for where we were and what I should have been enjoying. Uh, and it was the drugs, uh, and alcohol and all the party and stuff that, uh, I, I just, I mean, I crashed and burned kind of quick on all of it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and I'm grateful for that, you know? Uh, I mean, I love being sober, you know, I love my life. I love where I'm at. Uh, I talk in schools today and, you know, uh, it's, it's all good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about, um, a little bit about that. You going in the schools, that's your, um, Troy shows up thing you got going yeah. on right
2: <coughs> yeah Troy shows up well <coughs> I have a buddy of mine uh in Kansas City named um Brady Ayers and he has he's with Jostens and you know they do the graduating rings and all that he he approached me one day and said hey man he said uh how, how would you like to uh or I don't know if he said how would you like to, or he might have just asked flat out asked me like hey would you speak at one of my middle schools or high schools or something like that and i'm like speak at one of your schools what do you mean he goes well yeah just come speak to the kids i go what am i going to talk about he goes i want you to talk about drugs i'm like well i've been sober a while i said uh never really thought of that i says but uh he goes yeah man come out bring your drums play for 20 minutes you know um, do presentation, 20 minutes of presentation, 20 minutes of question and answer for the kids. Uh, so I said, sure. So some time had passed, and nothing really happened. I had lunch with him again later, and he brought it up again, and he locked me down to a date. So TroyLiquetta.net, if you go there, the dot, if somebody stole my .com, so people go there, it's not me. It's Damn speed. it. it use music, so. But net. if you go there, it says just show up. That's kind of my model in life. It's just like you know, that's all I've been doing. I just say yes to everything. I I scare myself and I figure it out. Um, and that's kind of how it was, you know. I said yes, uh, and then I had the date, and I came home, and I had you know a little bit of time, not a lot to prepare for it, and, and I got really stressed out over it. Quite honestly, I'm like, sure, sure. what I sign, what am I sign up for? You know, there's like 700 kids I'm going to go speak in front of, and. You know, so I put a program together and I put some music and I documented the whole thing. And if you go to Troy shows up.com, uh, there's some stuff on there. I need to put the whole, there's so much more I need to put out there. I've done like four presentations since, and I got a lot of material that I'm still sitting on that I could, but I just haven't finished everything, but you know, it was born out of that. Uh, and I found out that it's something I'm passionate about. Um, and, um, and the kids you know because they have it really rough today especially with all the social media the teenage suicide and you know there's just so much happening today that that we didn't have to deal with i, I mean i don't know how old you guys are but
0: we're probably um, close to your age i don't yeah, know how old you so, are but
2: yeah i'm, I'm 60
0: oh uh, well you got us by a little bit we're we're about 50
2: yeah yeah so <laughs> i mean you know I've, I've taken good care of myself and i'm still in good shape and i'm still feel like i'm still playing well and you know, uh, but, but but point being, you know, I just realized, you know, my daughter, like I was telling you, you know, she, I mean, she, you know, I went and picked her up from New York because just last year, her little friend committed suicide.
1: My you know. oh boy. That's
2: terrible. Well, she was on that path, man, and I just went and got her, and that's, so it's been a little, she's doing really well right now, we, we had to go through some stuff, but, and we still are, we're figuring things out, but, you know, I realized that these kids, man, they got it pretty rough, so. You know, it's something I'm passionate about, I'll probably get back into schools. I, I just wrote a, on, on this break, I got a full doc, a full autobiography, autobiography book, and I just went to the guy that's actually done the writing. Uh, I've done, he's just taken all the transcripts from all the, we did like 10 sessions of two-hour, him recording me, and then he puts it to paper. Uh, and I just finished the last edit on the first draft. And um, so I gave everything back to him today. Uh, I'll get it back, but uh, that'll come out first in next year. I'll have an autobiography book. And then I also have a free download book I'm putting together for the kids. Nice. So, yeah, so I'm really, you know, it wasn't like I said, I, I, you know, it's all about having a purpose, you know, a purpose-driven life. You know, I've had a great, great life, and I can't give enough back to what I've been given for sure. But, you know, the things that I am doing, uh, or I feel, or of God, because it's not something that I have chosen. It kind of chose me. Uh, it wasn't like, "Hey, I'm going to go do this. I want to get in schools and do that." That was right, never right. a part of it. You know, none of it was. But I've always, you know, done benefits, think for people, and done things and like, you know, anything I could do to help anybody out. I'm all about that. You know, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so this program is, is cool for that. You know, because uh, I'm still getting my sea legs. You know. Um, I don't know how long it'll be before I can get back, um, but uh, I just did a thing for Ashley Treatment Center. They're going to air that with Linda Evans, uh, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. and myself we both. I shot a fifteen-minute deal for them yesterday, uh, and they'll. I think next week they're putting it out, and it's 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 for their alumni services, which is really cool. And it's kind of a big deal because they're huge. I mean, that's like the you know the Beatles, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm excited to have been asked to do that and i did that so um i I don't know where all this stuff's going i just say yes and check it out you know like i said it's 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 having purpose uh it motivates me it scares me it does all of those things but um it seems to always work out you know
0: well that's awesome to hear because uh, you know there's a lot of people in your situation that you know wouldn't do something like that
2: well yeah i think you know uh, Yeah, and I get that. And the funny thing is, is I didn't graduate from school. I left in the middle of my senior year. I didn't do good in school. So my program is I'm a good example of a bad example. I Mm -hmm. talk to kids about being a people pleaser and, you know, trying to fit in and doing all those stupid things I didn't really want to do. But I did it just so you would like me, you know, and I think people can relate to that because we've all have some of that i think in us you know you yeah. don't have to be a drug addict to relate to people pleasing and that's really what my topic of conversation has turned into more than anything the drugs and the alcohol are the byproduct of just being that people pleaser
0: right right okay you
2: know? that's that's what i believe
0: well that's awesome yeah um and then what about your um you got another thing song for wellness
2: yeah my wife and i uh, met seven years eight years ago and her sister was married uh to my high my not my high school my grand, my grammar school friend I was in grade school and uh um so we had this I, I, him and I had reconnected 30 years later whatever it was and he had this wife and they come out to a show and brought the kids out and we're hanging out and we're talking the next thing I know he's telling me about you know she's got cancer and, this this and that and i'm like oh man and my sister lost her husband earlier to cancer and my sister was always into wellness and the stuff that she was sharing with me that i finally came around to which is which is what song for wellness is all about And i'll explain that in a second but i said hey man call my sister maybe she could be of some help and he'd call me back later because she had decided his wife did not want to do the chemo or the radiation they gave her six months so uh if you have six months, she's like, well, I don't want to live that quality of life. I just live it out and give it to God, kind of thing. And that's kind of how she chose to do it. Well, I had met, I had a friend of mine, um, a couple guys I put together to play over at the church to church. It was a little benefit for her, the family, and the night. That's when I met her sister, who I'm married to now, Linda. And I, I think my attraction to Linda was the fact that this woman, I'm talking about Debbie, her sister was truly, I mean, one of the most courageous, amazing women that I had ever really truly met in terms of being very selfless. She, she ran a daycare center, 15 kids. She did that for 10, 15 years. I don't know how, quite a long time. And, uh, as as I watched her go through this whole process of dying, she was still there for all the kids. She never complained. She wouldn't let you complain. She didn't want you crying. None of that stuff. It was like, you know, I, I was just so blown away with, how she lived and praised God and lived her life and her trust and faith. And uh, because of that, you know, I didn't know Linda at the time. And I made a joke, I think, like, hey, man, she got a sister, you know, kind of thing. And it turns out it was weird. I was at the church and I I, I I guess I had met her the night before, but I don't remember meeting her the night before. I didn't think twice about it. But what happened was I found myself in the lobby of the church uh and you know, and people were coming in and out, and I found myself looking out the blinds, looking for this woman I never met.
1: <laughs>
2: I walk out, there's her and her sister and another gal, and I sat and talked to them, didn't think much about it, just kind of left it alone, didn't even I I I was really strange. I, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but you know, uh I guess I caught her eye that day because I was playing with the kids. And so that was a attraction to her, and and uh, I was just having fun with kids and running around being a goofball and stuff. And you know, later that night, we went back to my sister's house, and her sister and my my friend Rick Sousa had come with us. And uh, and I didn't talk to Linda at all that night, but later when we split, um, we ended up getting together that night and talking a little bit, and we just kind of became inseparable since then and uh, she was helping her sister and I was helping my friend and we started a foundation called rocking for wellness I actually had the rocking for wellness program already in place and she jumped on board and we just really started collecting data realizing that we wanted to help her sister and provide some information and I feel to this day if we know with what we know now and why we started that. Uh, we started that because Rick, who was trying to get information from the web at the time, he said he couldn't get it fast enough. And we, I really believe with the information we have that we could have saved her if she was interested in going down the natural path. Mm-hmm. Because I've watched a lot of people uh, that have been ridden off to die and hit well. Uh, so <clears throat> I know it was possible, but at the time, we just, we were like behind the eight ball on it. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like, we didn't get the information, but we didn't know exactly what we were doing. We're trying to build this website and put it all in one place. And that's what, that's how it was born. And because we ended up turning into a song for wellness uh, a little bit later after she passed, but um, that's how it all came together. My wife and I are together and she's out here now. And she didn't even know who Tesla was when I met her. She hadn't heard of the band. And it was a really cool relationship that we had and, Kind of dated <laughs> long distance the first year, and then we kind of made a commitment, you know.
0: Right, right. I, I was checking out the Song for Wellness um, website, and it, it's a lot of information on there.
2: All so, of that information is from that website. My wife built it, along with Troy shows up, along with Troy Lecanette. She, she never did websites before. She jumped in, did all this stuff. She was a courtroom clerk for twenty-four years, retired. Brought her with me out here. And she kind of jumped into my world, and uh, but the all that data, all the information she has collected, she's done wow. an amazing job with it. It was it was something I was really passionate, but she really took it by the horns and really reined it in, and just I mean, she's done a beautiful job with it. Yes.
0: Nice. Tell me about real quick. Um, I, I mean, I got all kinds of questions for you, but tell me about the uh, water. That was, that was kind of interesting well, to me.
2: The king and water. What it is is. What, what, what song for Wellness is, it's an awareness site, and it's based on pH and alkalinity. And it's I put it in layman's term, and the best way to describe it in layman's term would to be to think of a fish tank. And if you look at a fish tank, and you know that we have to check the pH for the fish, and if the pH isn't right, those fish die. Well, our bodies are pretty much the same. So acidity, so everything from 7.3, where we're born, that's pretty much where our pH level, uh, where our our blood and uh, pH is. And that's where we, everything below uh, 7 and everything above 7 is, uh, there's an alkalinity chart on Song for Wellness on the homepage. If you click on it, it explains it very, very well. And it's basically... uh, cancer cells you know uh, it, it starts at the cellular level so when we the way this a lot of diseases looked at in the world that I'm talking about they, a lot of it's not separated you know diseases it's diseases disease, is disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if your body is over acidic <laughs> from eating a lot of bad foods uh, sugars and blah 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 your body will go into that more acidic state and start developing things as we get older like cancer uh right. diabetes all these things because you can take a diabetes some of the type 2 diabetes you can knock that out in a few weeks 30 days seriously if you go hardcore uh, and you can you can put that all under control and get and, and get off of that stuff believe it or not it's all true um uh, i have a friend of mine pancreatic cancer he did the radiation along with the um chemo, but he did everything he needed to do right. And I'm going to come back to the water to tell you sure. all about the ancient, what King and water is and, <coughs> and um, al- alkaline water. Because um, but that, it, cause it really comes down to three things. Oxygen, water, and plant-based foods. Those are the elements that are the essential elements for good clean air, the best water you can drink because there's contaminants in to water that we're drinking, uh, uh, even if you buy a bottled water. Think about this: next time you go to the store, you go pull up in front of a gas station, you see all those freaking cases of bottle of water sitting out there just baking in the sun right. with that plastic, and it's all gonna turn into toxic. It's the last thing you want to put in your body. Seriously, yeah, yeah, no all, all, mm-hmm. all of that stuff and all these processed foods and all this stuff—it's all part of the big problem. It really is. Uh, and that's why we have everything from obesity to disease. Uh, so anyway, so we just put some information together just like vitamins. Uh, if they're not plant-based organic vitamins, they're just throwaways you know right. I mean it's just uh, they're synthetic and it's garbage. Uh, it, it does nothing for you. seriously. Um, <clears throat> so it's, a, it's, a, it's an awareness thing to give people information to dig a little bit and, and find out what is alkalinity, what is this thing? Why is it important? There's some video, there's content, there's a lot of information. Um, we we kind of keep it light. You know, at first I wanted to save the world and do all these wonderful things. And, uh, you know, we just turned it into an awareness site, you know, because I've done a lot of different benefits for people and mm-hmm. such and uh, and help uh, you know with what I can. And, and I'm not going to say it's easy, you know, because there's nothing easy about trying to live and eat well.
0: Right. But it's not. It's yeah, very, it, very difficult. It is. Very, it's difficult. hard. I always yeah. struggle with that
2: yeah so uh to make i don't want to make light of that but i can tell you that uh it, it, it for if you don't if, if you're given six months what do you got to lose right if, right. if you've got the desire and it takes man you're, you're talking it's a lot of work it, and actually it's pretty simple once you got it and you just realize wow you know so there's different places like um the Gerson clinic in Mexico I think the city of Hope these are <coughs> natural basic places that educate you give you the information and the tools to beat it um, and a lot of people do you know uh, but they'll go they'll they, and basically you'll go there for a couple of weeks you'll detox you'll learn everything you need to learn you come back home you'll re, they'll reset up your kitchen your house you know you don't bring anything processed into your home a lot of juice in you, you know detox and uh, and uh plant-based foods you
0: know yeah well there's like you said there's definitely a lot of information on that website and i'm going to put a link to that website off of our website um for the podcast Uh, we'll link to your site um tell me let's go back to tesla a little bit now okay um you got you guys were rocking through what probably about three or four albums before the whole scene changed right
2: we were yes
0: and then when that's when the quote grunge grunge scene can't say that Nick.
2: Sometimes Troy, I have
0: struggle I have struggles saying things. <laughs> I do, I do <laughs> Nick has to say it for me. <laughs> grunge scene. Thank you, Nick. But uh, when that whole scene hit, um, I mean, what was going through your mind at that time? I always like to ask that question just because I think that was a big time in music that that so, changing of the so, guards. Uh,
2: yeah, so the, th- the third studio album was uh, Psychotic Supper. Right. And uh, then we had Bustin' Nuts. So and that's when things changed in 95. Uh, but prior to that, I remember we were headlining Two Nights at Red Rocks. And I remember Soundgarden Garden and Pearl Jam were playing a show together down the road because our guitar player, Frank Hannon, went and he really liked, uh, I mean, uh, I think he liked Soundgarden a lot, and I remember him coming back that day, and I didn't know who those fans were uh, at the time, I really wasn't familiar with them, Uh, but I knew the scene was changing music, Uh, and that was in 91, so come 95, by the, you know, things had really bloomed, and I remember our managers coming out, and, uh, and this was just probably end of 95, early 96, and they said, look, everything's changing nobody's interested in your music pretty much you know the music scene's changing you guys are probably going to go back from arenas you know and we were in clubs already at that point and playing theaters if you want to weather this thing out and stay in the trenches you know this is what you'll be doing pretty much Mm -hmm. well we were down to a four piece uh the last year without tommy uh and we're a two guitar band and uh after that, those first 10 years of running really hard, you know, it was, it was just a simple, we just, you know, knew that we were going to let it go. And Jeff wasn't happy with where we were at the time and being, you know, one guitar player and we weren't replacing Tommy at the time. So we just decided to break up, you know, and let it go. Uh, We're friends. It wasn't like there was anything, you know, and things were changing, And we just said, Hey, let's just give this thing a rest. And, I didn't think we were going to get back. It was October 2000 when we got back together. But, you know, during that period, you know, I started a roofing company and, you know, had a business partner. And, you know, I was teaching. I taught for a year. I took drum lessons for a year. I just took classical piano for a year. And, you know, I was just kind of happy to be home. My son was just going into to be a freshman. Uh, Eric Martin came back and asked me to do a tour with him in Japan in 98, which I did. And I brought my son with me for three weeks. Oh, that's uh, That was cool. Yeah, he was like 15 at the time. So, um, you know, but those are some of the things that I did. You know, I had a couple auditions come up. Well, actually, I only did one of them, which was John Mellencamp. Um, and that was cool. That went really well. Uh, you know, um so I learned something from that, and then a couple of weeks later, I got asked to do Satriani, and I passed on it, because they had, I thought a lot of guys, because I did the, the Camp was 16 drummers, eight each day, uh, and they sat me down and talked to me about doing it. It was very, very cool. My audition went really well, uh-huh. uh, which I had no interest in it after I learned what they were looking for. But point being, uh, whether I would have been a guy or not, but they there's a story, backstory with that, I won't get into that, but you know, the Satriani thing, Mick Brignan, the manager, had called me, and I said, no, nah. I passed on it, he goes, why? I go, well, I just did a Mellon Camp audition two weeks ago, and, uh, I did a cattle call, 16, you know, Troy's just you and one other guy, you come highly recommended, and Jonathan Mover, who was doing the gig at the time, had recommended me for it, and, uh, Jeff Campitelli, who's been his drummer, who did Surfing with the Alien, I don't know if you're familiar with some of that stuff or mm-hmm. not, but, oh yeah. um, Jeff, I know. And, uh, but Jeff at the time when Jonathan was playing drums and Jonathan was leaving, uh, Jeff, it was going to be Jeff and I playing double drums, but I did not know that. Mick said something about that, but I, I wasn't clear on it. And I had a motor home out in front of my house. They wanted me there on Monday. He called me Thursday and I was leaving the next morning and I would have to cancel my trip on my family. And we had you know, we were doing Knott's Berry Farm, Magic Mountain, Disneyland, and all the stuff. And I'm like, man, I always got to cancel my family. And I said, I, I can't do it. If you don't find somebody, let me know, you know, and I'll come back. But uh, so anyway, I come back and Jeff was doing the gig and perfect. I'm like, that's who should be doing the gig. He started with Joe and, right. I, you know, so anyway, so I ran into Jeff a couple years later. He goes, how come you didn't want to do it? I go, well, because I, you know, I told him about, this. he goes, no, the gig was yours. I go, Mick didn't say that. He said it was between me and another guy. He goes, no, Joe wanted to do double drums. And after you passed on it, he said, "Uh, we never did it. Because I guess he had seen... Uh, I think what he quoted me at the time, I believe, was he said he saw the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. And he liked the idea of having two drummers, so he wanted to try something. So, Jeff, uh, Mick Brigham did mention something about it, but he wasn't real clear and specific and said, hey, it's going to be. It was an audition between me and another guy in L.A., and I don't know who it was.
1: Right.
2: Uh, and when I passed on on it, basically... <clears throat> and I made a decision to stay home after that and that's when I started the roofing company and everything and my son went into high school and I just wanted to be home while he went through school you
0: know do you ever play a two drummer thing before?
2: no I, I've i done a gig with my buddy Don Moyo and I sat and played double drums with him that night and Steve Gatt <laughs> uh, that was it but that was pretty cool
0: that seems like that would be uh, I don't know I mean I'm not a drummer I'm a bass player so I'm pretty simple, yeah, we'll but it see. seems like it'd be kind of difficult. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not
2: too bad. Um, I did a gig one night, and Steve Gadd happened to be in the audience, and, and he was a friend of my friend who I did it for, and Don Moyo. And uh, he said, hey, man, Steve and Carol are here tonight. And I'm like, oh, shit, because I'm like a huge Steve Gadd fan, and I'm not worthy, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I definitely, he, you know, it's very, very true, I can't even carry a guy's luggage, you know, but I did, he sat up and he got up and we had, I had a chance to play with them just because the way it happened and it was very organic and it was cool. And we traded back and forth and it was a moment I got the cool photo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's about the extent of that. But, um, you know, that was the only time that I've really ever done any uh, double drum. T- there was a, yeah, th- that would be it probably. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What about, um, I- you mind talking about uh Tommy a little bit?
2: Not at all. No, I like Tommy.
0: Yeah. Um, I met Tommy. I played in a band um, down in Florida, and Tommy came to one of our practices one time, and uh, we were hanging out, and he was a cool guy, but I always wondered, because I never really heard the whole story of what happened with Tommy.
2: Well, the story goes, look, we all did a bunch of drugs, and uh, everybody in the band, and there was nobody that didn't party. Uh, some less or more than others, and some, you know, there weren't but tommy, Tommy was more than others, mm-hmm. and um you know, and he got went through his phase, and it just got out of control and uh, it just I mean, the short story is that was what took him out of the band mm-hmm. um, and that, that's pretty much the bottom line, but I seen him a couple of years ago, and I hooked him up with a friend of mine, Dave Parks, who's playing drums. he's a new drummer for his new band, Tommy's got now, and <clears throat> I went over to Tommy's, we had dinner. Visited his wife and his kids. Uh, it was cool. I, uh, you yeah. know, I, I reached out to him when I was we were passing through in Florida, and uh, and got it. You know, and, and I don't know where Tommy's at with his whole thing or not, but he seemed to be in a better place. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think he's doing pretty good now with his band. Uh, you know, is he sober? I don't know. None of right, my right, business. Right. But uh, yeah. you know, I don't have. Look, man, I've got nothing bad to say. You know, I mean, we all did a lot of stupid shit back in the day.
0: Yeah. Well, I always you know, thought i always thought Tommy and Frank were a great team.
2: They were. They, they, they were the freaking team. Definitely. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from our new guy, but let's just before Dave, you know, that first 10 years of Tesla. Of, of defining who we were as a band it was about them for sure um you know when dave came into the picture uh it was just a breath of fresh air and he's such a great player and he i mean there wasn't a better guy to f- come in and take over that spot and yeah fight. he's the perfect replacement I, yeah you know
0: yeah i mean he i was going to say that too um dave is is the same thing i mean those two just great team <laughs>
2: Dave's a great guitar player. Um, Phenomenal. I really love his playing. I love his rhythm chops. Uh, He's super in the pocket. Um, And um, I love his energy. Everything about Dave, I mean, he's... He's just a godsend and just such a beautiful guy he's got a beautiful wife and child and he's a great dad and I can't say enough great things about him and and we needed that good energy you know because I mean that one bad apple thing unfortunately was very toxic and it was part of uh you know just living and being that rock star guy mm-hmm. uh, i I've, I've always said dave dave's the rock star rock star Tommy always wanted to be mm-hmm. <laughs> Because Dave didn't, Dust didn't try, but he's just that guy, you know. And no problems, no drugs, no nothing. And Tommy always wanted to be Keith Richards, you know right. what I
0: mean? Right.
2: Uh, I mean, it's a different, it's a different thing, you right.
0: know. Now, your last album, what was that? Shock. Yes. That was that was the one produced by uh, Phil Collins, correct?
2: That is correct.
0: How did uh, you guys have a long relationship with Def Leppard? I noticed a lot of touring with them and now he's producing your album
2: yeah you know back in remember hysteria was 15 months same management family deal then we did a few dates over the years with them and then 15 came up and we ended up getting on a back tour with us sticks and def leppard we did 70 something shows and then we did another 70 whatever shows in 16 with us reo then we did it again in 18 with Poison. I mean, we just got done doing a massive amount of shows. And then the following year, we were in freaking Canada with them. <laughs> and we share the same manager right now. And uh, But it had to do with the package, and it was working. And, you know, back in 15, when we were out with Sticks, you know, Phil really loved the band, you know. He really did like Tesla and, and said, man, you know, you guys are such a great band, you know. And uh, at that time, we were just the jeans and t-shirt guys and you know and nobody was dressing up or looking as quite as nice as they do today and it feels like man you guys can't look like the roadies up there <laughs> you, know, you, you, you got you know what i'm saying yeah. you got to be rock stars and so he started taking a band out and shop him and his wife and next thing i know we're recording one of his songs and he's producing it and the next thing i know he's going to produce a full album you know and uh and it was great man that guy worked super hard. He's is amazing but he he really he gave it everything he loves that record and i do too (coughs) and he did an amazing job on it
0: yeah yeah i thought it was a good one what do you think is uh what's one of your most what record are you most proud of i guess
2: probably i you know for me it might be psychotic supper
0: yeah. Why is that?
2: I got, yeah, maybe <clears throat> it's just so raw in your face. Uh, I was sober doing that record, real focused. Um, that's when I started getting sober. But, um, uh, you know, I ended up in treatment after that. But I was uh-huh. on my way going to meetings and trying to get sober at the time there. But it was just a good time for uh, everybody else was partying and going out every night. But um, that was—it was kind of psychotic, uh, actually. A lot of stuff was still going on, but I was in the middle of it, and I was very present, very together, very—you um, know—in tune with making a great record. Now, I guess if you had to pick one, it'd probably be the first album because of just—it's Van Halen one for us, you know. Right. That—that's the record. I mean, you look at when you go back and you go, okay, yeah. There's—I mean, there's something about that record that definitely stands out.
0: Right. Right, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. <coughs> What's
2: that?
0: No, I thought you were going to say something. I'm sorry, Troy.
2: Uh, sorry about the coughing thing. I'm not sick. I've just had this cough for a long time.
0: no nah, no worries.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So, what are you guys working on now? Anything? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Nothing. I I saw you did some uh at home recording stuff, like with yeah. the videos. Yeah, that <laughs> was pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Frank sent over a guitar track. I played to it. and They put everything else on it. We did our one-camera shoot. and um, Yeah, I thought they came out pretty good. Um, I've done a half a dozen of those probably for people. Other ones, I just did one for uh, Dave Olsen for his solo album from Megadeth. I did one for Chuck Wright from Twilight Riot. That video's not out yet, probably in the next week or two. We just finished that. And uh, my cousin, one called Cousins, I did that. Uh, Mark Bonilla I don't know if you've seen that on there You can check that out Very, very cool instrumental stuff um, So, and then I've been I did some record I had a band in here from Did a five song EP from Some guys out of Boston I did that uh, Working on a, a Shopping a TV deal For the thing I'm part of So we'll see what happens with that uh, And then I've been part of I've always done the benefit thing, and one of the benefits I put together, if you're not aware of it, was a show in um, Providence, Rhode Island, when the Great White, the band, had the club fire, the station fire, right. that claimed 100 life. I did the second year anniversary and put a show together uh, that sold out 3,300 seats with Tesla and Shine Down, and um, we raised 100 grand that night, and I came back in 08 to do the fifth year anniversary, and I went into an arena and I put the whole show together with, uh, I put all the talent and the show together and that ran on VH one and, and netted over a million dollars. Nice. Uh, so that was a big deal. Uh, and now that's coming now they're doing a documentary on that whole thing. So that's happening right now. And I'm part of that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. What about, um, the other guys, have they been writing or are they doing their own thing?
2: Everybody, you know, everybody's kind of got their own thing going on. Um, So there's not a lot going on uh, outside, I don't think, too much. And because there's not a lot anybody can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know Frank has a podcast, right?
2: Yeah. Has he still got that going?
0: I think so. I was checking it out the other day. I don't know how current it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think so.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how many he's done uh, as of yet. Hmm. Uh Uh-huh.
0: You get asked. Oh, yeah. you, you've been doing a lot of podcasts and stuff like that since it's, everybody's been on lockdown.
2: Yeah, you know, did I mention I did a book?
0: You did mention you did a book.
2: Yeah, so I'm full. Of, that's that's uh, I'm finishing that up. So that's kind of a big deal. Um,
0: so, so you one, you still have r- one, room to get me in that book then, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, is I wasn't looking. It was all because of this COVID thing
0: that's why you decided to do it
2: well i wasn't going to do it at this time i had thought about it down the road maybe someday kind of thing but but it's done man i mean i just read through 82,000 words 300 pages you know yeah uh it's you know we're we're going through it and i'm going to be wrapping it up over the next probably month so (gasps) it's cool
0: that's awesome i can't wait to check that out i I love those kind of books when musicians write books and do that thing i love that
2: yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, it was Dave Ellison. You know, I was talking to Dave, and he's like, Troy, you got to put out a book, man. It changes everything, especially since you're in schools and you're doing this, this, and that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then this guy I'm doing it with, um, Steve Olivius, uh, a wonderful guy, doctor of psychology, uh, along with having a podcast show called The Commute. And he got books out, and uh, he had offered it up over a year ago. And um, and then we got to talking and with this whole thing, it just kind of came together.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely check out that book when it comes out. Yeah. What about um, the current music scene? Like, what do you think of how the music scene has changed as far as technology and downloads and stuff?
2: Well, everything has changed as we know it. Um, it doesn't really matter what I have to say about it. It's it's just the evolution of the industry and our world. Mm-hmm. I mean, technology. I mean, it's just constantly evolving and constantly changing. And it's a double-edged sword, Be, you know, based on how it's being used. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's such a great tool for so many things. But the problem is it's such a bad tool for so many things. Yeah. You know? Uh, and uh, I like to stay positive with everything um, that I do. I don't really do any negative stuff, you know.
0: That's Um, a good way to be.
2: It is a good way to be, and then you got the reality, and I got my wife, you know, who's very passionate about all the missing children and all the stuff that's going on with that, so, uh, you know, and she shares a lot of information with me and has made me aware of things that I wasn't aware of, and uh, seeing it and Understanding it more and seeing what a problem it is. Wow, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, there's the reality of the world of what it is, and we see all the ugly in it, and people, uh, and what it can be. And it's unfortunate because, you know, it comes back to all you need is love. <laughs> right. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that would. That's all we need. Everybody, if everybody had a little love in them I and mean, they could just put everything aside and just, you know, but everything's about politics and uh, what yeah, side and are you on? Sucks. What are you going to do? And if you're not, you say the wrong thing, you get your face blown off. You know, it's like, you know, it, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah horrible so uh without going down that road i just hope i pray for the country that's what i do and i pray for our leaders and uh no matter who's in charge you know we all need prayer and we've got to do what we've got to do uh to hopefully make it a better place and and you know everybody can make a difference that's that's the one thing that is clear to me you know but people make choices to not be part of a solution as opposed to being part of the problem
0: agreed you said it perfect you know all right. Well, where, um, where can people find out all the information about you? I know you got your Troy Shows Up. Um, what else you got online there?
2: Well, I've got TroyLaqueta.net, a songforwellness.org, uh, number four, a songforwellness.org, and we also have TroyShowsUp.com, which is the school program.
0: Mm-hmm. You're on social media too, right? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, TroyLaqueta uh, toilet cat of drums for, um, Instagram, I believe it is. And, um, toilet cat under my name. Uh, is, uh, a couple pages and the same with choice shows up. Uh, it's on Facebook. And, and from what I'm told, you know, people are saying, you know, Facebook doesn't matter anymore. Why do you have Facebook? You know, you know I, it's all about Instagram. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I have a Facebook, so I use it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got a Facebook. We got a Facebook and Instagram. We use them.
2: Yeah. But, uh, I guess this is, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's going on. Um, you know, I appreciate your time and your interest, uh, and in taking the time. So,
0: yeah, no, no worries, man. I, I'm glad, you know, when I reached out to you to see if you would do this, I figure, you know, the answer is always going to be no, if I don't ask. Right.
2: Uh, uh, you have to ask. Absolutely. Now, where are you and Nick at?
0: Nick's down in Florida and I'm in South Carolina.
2: Oh, what part of Florida, Nick?
1: I'm down here in uh, Port Charlotte. It's about 100 miles south of Tampa.
2: All right. H- how's everything out there?
1: Uh, I mean, we're opening up, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff's still shut down you now, halfway, but it's coming out. You know, it's coming along.
2: Good.
0: Yeah, we're we're going pretty good here. I'm in Myrtle Beach area in South Carolina. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Well. Maybe, uh you know, I don't know if we, I, I man, I really don't know anymore what's going on. I mean, God, I hate to, I, you know, can't even predict anything because the way things have went, who would who have ever predicted any of this, right? I know. It's crazy. It, it's it's just the most, I mean, you just like, you one of the days, you're thinking like, when is this going to end? When are we going to wake up from this thing, you know? Oh, yeah. But. I mean, and to think about people talking about the new norms and it's going to be like this and it's never going to be the same. And, you know, they might be right. I don't know.
0: You, yeah. And you just don't know. I mean, I hope they're not right. But, if, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll adapt to whatever, however it goes, right?
2: Yes. that's Well, we don't have any choice. It mm-hmm. is what it is, right?
0: That's right. Well, after all this is over, um, does Tesla have plans on doing something in the future or you don't know?
2: absolutely and if you if you don't know uh after the shock record there's the five man london jam we didn't talk about it and i'm not sure if you're aware of it and it Mm -hmm. came out right before the covid thing and all this uh we went to into abbey road last year right before we were playing the um download festival we had a day off we went in there five camera shoot and we uh it was awesome and um we did a 90 minute set and split and now it's out on blu-ray and um it was a 30-year tribute to five man acoustical jam and there's like you know half a dozen songs tribute and some deeper tracks uh, and new tracks and it's actually really good so the five man london jam out on universal right now in the stores you know check it out um
1: I will check that I was not aware of that. Check
2: that out. Yeah, yeah it, it's really good. I was really happy with how it turned out. It's one of those things that's like, oh, we're going into Abbey Road. Okay, that'll be cool. But when you leave there, you, you we didn't listen to the playback or nothing because we just went, shot it, and split. We didn't have time. We had to get to the gig the next day. <clears throat> and. It's one of those things. It's really a good idea. Or it's a really bad idea, right? Because if it doesn't, you're an Abbey Road, you know. <clears throat> so, but I'm I'm happy to say it turned out well. I'm happy with it, and I think everybody's happy with it. So, coming off a of shock, which was a bit more produced and feel and Leopardish and all the stuff, and some of the Tesla haters came out, you know, because not everybody was on board with it because shock had a drum machine on there uh and i get that because we were all the, always the band with no machines but you're only talking about a dozen people that rule the airwaves right when you come out and they come right out and the, but classic rock magazine really? one of our best, best records ever so uh people, yeah i
0: thought it was like, a great record <laughs> really people gave you crap over that
2: did some tesla diehards and, and i got it and i understood it and i didn't and it wasn't i wasn't even that surprised because we usually get pretty good press all the time but and it was fair some of the stuff because you know some of those vocals are leopardish phil singing on it and he's playing on it and writing and he's like the fifth beetle on that record but we were okay with what we were doing <coughs> and how we were doing it so the point oh, being it's uh, good to
1: change it up a little uh, bit now and then you know
2: I, I, I'm glad we did. I have yeah. no regrets. I, I, I'd i do it again with them, you know, the same way we did it if we were at, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a couple of small changes here and there. But um and then coming back to the five man London jam was just like, OK, here we are again. <laughs> we're back. <you> know. <laughs> Check it
0: out. Was that was that one shot like you just went in and played and done or.
2: what? It was one take of each song performance wise. We went through a 90 minute set and and like i said we did not go back and listen to the playbacks we left and you know it is what it is yeah. It's completely 100 percent live untouched
0: that's awesome nice no yes. no go back it, in it, and fixing things
2: no 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 none of that zero
0: yeah, yeah. awesome No
2: matter of fact, they were talking about one song And I forget what song it was One of the songs we cut They asked us up the Abbey Road They said, hey, might want to recut this one because of this And there was a couple times we had to stop Because of a technical difficulty That wasn't on our end Uh So we just played the song again Which was fine That happened only in a couple songs But there was one song, there was a problem They wanted us to cut it again And I don't know why or why they thought But we did it again and the magic was gone it wasn't there. Yeah. And I, we said we said, screw that. Leave mm-hmm. everything alone. It is what it is. Put it out.
0: Well, that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. I'm excited that you actually Well told let me know
2: you <laughs> your thoughts. Text me and let me know what
0: you think. I will, I will, definitely. Yeah. Well cool. All right, Troy. Well, I don't want to keep you up too late. I know we're uh, well you're an hour behind us, I think, right?
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's ten o'clock. I, I literally walked in ten minutes before um, calling you yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got in at 10 to 10 to 9 and i'm like oh shoot i gotta and then i had five minutes to get ready to do this and then I'd come back and blah blah here we are well I'm it's glad... been a real pleasure man yeah I, i'm I glad
0: you I made the, the time and, and then uh
2: wish all the best
0: yeah when you when things get opened up if you guys come out to the myrtle beach area then uh maybe we'll uh meet up face to face
2: shoot me a text i'll see you then huh
0: yeah man all right bud all right, man. well you take care all right be safe thanks troy all right,
2: got
0: bye. it, Nick. See you later.
2: Take care. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.